procedure for this evening shall commence with the playing of God Save the Queen as their excellencies arrive. As their excellencies arrive on stage, we ask that all members be upstanding. Thank you. Your Excellencies, the Right Honourable Ian Sinclair, Mr Mayor, distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen, members of Alcoholics Anonymous. I have the privilege of being chairperson of this historic meeting. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Bob and I am an alcoholic. I am a member of the King's Cross group which meets on Sunday nights in Sydney at St Vincent's Hospital. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect denomination, politics, organisation or institution does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. 
There may be some here who are not familiar with our tradition of personal anonymity at the public level. If so, we respectfully ask that no AA speaker or member be identified by full name or picture in published or broadcast reports of this meeting. This tradition reminds us that AA principles come before personalities. Now I'd like to welcome you all to the regular Thursday night Armadale group of Alcoholics Anonymous. And welcome to all those members of Al-Anon and Alateen and all of our friends who are present with us here tonight. You know, there is a story that in 1978 there was a traveller who was registering at the Lakeside Hotel in Canberra. Observing hundreds of guests milling around the lobby, he asked the desk clerk, Who are all these people? They're members of Alcoholics Anonymous. Here for a convention, was the reply. Aye, aye, huh? Said the new arrival. I wonder if it really works. (laughs) Mister, replied the desk clerk, fervently. I hope so. I surely do hope so. (laughs) Now it does work as the hundreds, hundreds of us here will testify. The hotel and motel proprietors of Armadale need have no worries. (laughs) Our convention theme, sharing nationwide, is very apt. For seated in this auditorium tonight, our convention is from all parts of Australia and from overseas, who will be sharing experience, strength and hope with each other over the next four days and will fraternise and foster goodwill. In commemoration of this memorable occasion, Flags of these countries and the Australian states will now be carried forward to their resting places on this platform. First, the flag of the country where it all began, the United States of America. Alphabetical order, England. (laughs) 
the Northern Territory. didn't arrive here, but Scotland did. <laughs> Singapore! in this hall again that we do protect our personal anonymity at the public level. And I repeat that I respectfully ask that no AA speaker or member B 
be identified by full name or picture in published or broadcast reports of this meeting. Thank you. Now, as each of the flag bearers leaves the stage, they will offer a greeting. Would you please? Hello, everybody. My name is Skeeter, and I'm an alcoholic. Thank you, and it's great to be here. And I bring you greetings from the United States. And uh, you're a beautiful people, and you've got a beautiful program over here, and I'm just proud to be part of it. Thank you. My name is Jim. I'm an alcoholic. I thousand twelve thousand miles from home and I feel quite the home amongst you people here. Thank you very much. Hi everyone. My name is Liz. I'm an alcoholic from Auckland, New Zealand. And I just want to say thank you to all of you as AA members for allowing me to be a lady again, teaching me how to live, and the greatest thing of all to be able to tell you all, I love you very much. Hi everyone, my name's Neil and I'm an alcoholic, a member of the Newcastle City Group, and it's great to be here tonight. Thank you very much. I'm Dorothy, I'm an alcoholic and I'm very pleased to be here and to carry the Queensland flag tonight to represent all the members from Queensland and their families who are visiting this convention which we, looks to us to be a terrific uh, time coming up and uh, I just want to say uh, hello to everybody I know and I'd like to meet all the others in time given that time in this convention. I don't know if I'll have that time. But, uh, you know, it, it's really something. I once upon a time used to look at conventions as, as something, as things that one of the, um, you know, the really hierarchy did in AA. But now, it, to me, it's just a great big national AA meeting. Thank you very much. My name is Betty, and I'm an alcoholic. Uh, I bring greetings from the whole of Scotland, from the east of Scotland in particular, and most particularly from my home group, uh, St Andrews Fife, and from Dundee Number 3. Uh, that I would ever get here in whole of my life was beyond my wildest dreams. But in the last little while, I've done a lot of things that were beyond my wildest dreams. Life gets better, and it gets better. Thank you.
Good evening, friends. My name is Dave. I'm a member of two groups, the operator of the Concord Repat Hospital. And I'd just like to say hi to you from all the people of the state of New South Wales that are less fortunate than I and others here tonight that have not been able to attend here. I know they're with us in spirit and I'd just like to say hi to you all. I'm Max, I'm an alcoholic from Singapore and this is one of the, uh, you know, how do you feel down here? How do you think I feel, eh? I've travelled uh, quite a few miles, I've had about an hour and a half sleep to get here but thanks very much. Good evening everybody, my name is Lance. I'm an alcoholic, and I come from Adelaide, South Australia, the Henry Beach Group. Uh, I'd like to thank the people from up in the area A of New South Wales for making this convention possible and allow us all to gather here this evening. And on behalf of all South Australians, I say thank you, area A. My name is Paul. I am alcoholic. I came a long way from Northern Territory down to see you all, have a good time, and I hope to be not disappointed like previous conventions. Thank you. Good evening, friends. My name's. Uh going to say my name's an alcoholic. My name's John. <laughs> my name's John. Uh, John, I'm a member of the Bexley Sydney group, but uh, I was very proud to carry the Tasmanian flag because that is my home state. But uh, one thing I, I wasn't too happy with tonight out there, they were sorting different flags out and someone said, oh, Tasmania, where's that? And someone chipped in. He said, that's part of Victoria. <laughs> well, the old boozing and losing days, I'd have taken my teeth out, tipped the glass up on the counter and that'd have been it. But the fact that I'm a member of Alcoholics Anonymous and I'm standing here sober today, I just laughed at it and I thank God that I am a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Hi, I'm Bob M from the state of football, meat pies and holding cars. All right? I wish you all the happiness, and I am an alcoholic, and the contentment of this weekend to you and all, and may God bless you all in Amen. Hi everybody, my name's Jack. Hi, I'm an alcoholic and I bring greetings from Western Australia, thank you. Mention was made of the spirit of AA and to symbolise that spirit I will now ask a young man Mark C from Meriwa, New South Wales who has newly arrived in AA some five months ago to come forward and light the candle that you see near the organ. 
Thank you, Mark. duration of our 22nd Australian AA Convention. These conventions just don't happen by themselves. Your Convention Planning Committee has worked hard and spent many hours planning and replanning, believe me, replanning, the details for these four days of sharing. Not least among this team of dedicated members is the chairperson of this committee. To welcome you on behalf of the planning committee, I will now ask the Eastern Region Regional Trustee and chairperson of the Convention Planning Committee, Tom Kay, to say some words to you. Your Excellency, the Right Honourable Mr. Sinclair, distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fellow members of AA, my name is Tom and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, friend. With the help of the AA program of recovery, I have been continuously sober for 20 years, 5 months and 29 days. <laughs> As we assemble here this evening to be part of one of the most historical meetings of the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous in Australia, it might be interesting to know that the first planning and discussion, a meeting of this convention, was held on the 8th of April 1979, exactly three years ago. Today, the overwhelming support and enthusiasm received from all around Australia to make the first ever national convention to be held in a country area and success has been unbelievable. In selecting the city of Armidale and the University of New England was the convention venue. The planning committee has obviously made the right decision. The resources available are excellent and the friendly cooperation never before seen anywhere else in Australia has been used wonderful. The committee would like to record its sincere gratitude to the city of Armidale, the University of New England, and the community at large. We are indeed deeply grateful. We all know that the real purpose of the convention is to regenerate a living message of hope to thousands of our brothers and sisters right across the continent of Australia who are still suffering from alcoholism. Many of them at this very moment desperately seeking a way out from their alcoholic problem. We also hope that the Convention will create a greater understanding of alcoholism and Alcoholics Anonymous in our Australian society. 
so that their non-alcoholic friends will continue to direct sick alcoholics to the doors of AA. The AA message of a co-founders Bill W. and Dr. Bob, beginning in Akron, Ohio in 1935, has now spread all around the world, regardless of language, culture or international barriers. All II members are in fact part of a world family of recovered alcoholics giving freely of themselves to help their fellow men. With us tonight, we have AA members and friends from many countries. We extend a particular welcome to them to share with us their joy in AA sobriety. May we know on behalf of the, the National Convention 1982 of the Committee extend our warmest welcome to our distinguished guest, to our non-alcoholic friends and the members of Al-Anon and Al-Latin Fellowship, and equally important to all fellow members of AA from all around Australia. Welcome to the 22nd National Convention of AA in Australia. <coughs> Thank you, Tom. Many congratulatory telegrams and letters have been received by the Convention Planning Committee Secretary, Betty A. Another one of those dedicated team, or that dedicated team. Some of these, some of these letters and telegrams are from members overseas who had planned to be here with us but have encountered circumstances that have prevented their arrival. They are certainly here in spirit, and this will be recognised by placing the flags of these countries in their positions as Betty reads from her list. Thank you, Betty. Thank you. Your Excellencies, the Right Honourable Ian Sinclair, Mr Mayor, distinguished guests, all our non-alcoholic friends and fellow members. My name is Betty and I am an alcoholic. When I was asked to be Secretary of this Convention Committee, I said yes little knowing the work that was going to be involved in it. But today I am grateful that I did accept, as the experience has taught me a lot about our AA program and the God that I understand. Every minute of the past two and a half years has helped me to grow in AA, to learn to know and accept others and for others to accept me. To all members of this Convention Committee, I say thank you from my heart for your encouragement and support over the last two years. It is very encouraging to witness the incredible support and interest not only within our own fellowship, but within the community in regard to this 22nd National Convention of AA in Australia. We have received messages of greetings from um, Mr. Michael McKellow 
MP, Commonwealth Minister for Health, Mr Laurie Breeden, MP, New South Wales Minister for Health, Mr Rex Jackson, MP, Minister for Corrective Services, Mr Peter Anderson. <laughs> Very good. We'll, we'll get him here one day. Mr. Peter Anderson, MP, Minister for the Police. <laughs> and Chief, Chief Judge Elizabeth Evatt from the Family Court of Australia. Judge Carl Shannon from New South Wales District Courts. Mr. Brian Stewart, Chairman of the New South Wales Drug and Alcohol Authority. From the General Service Office in New York, which is our Well Service Office, and the National Offices in London, Dublin, Paris, Helsinki. I'm going too fast for the motherland. were Rome and Geneva. In some of these countries it was not possible for representatives to be with us this weekend, but they are with us in spirit. I know that some of you have travelled long distances and I wish you all a wonderful weekend of caring and sharing. I have an apology here from uh, the Bishop of Armadale. To my regret, commitments already undertaken will prevent me from attending the opening meeting of this convention on Thursday, the 8th of April, and the public meeting on Sunday, the April the 11th. Wishing the convention every success and with kind regards, Most Reverend H.J. Kennedy, Bishop of Armadale. From the Melbourne Central Office, best wishes to AA's 22nd National Convention at Armidale, New South Wales, sharing sobriety nationwide. From the Chairman and members of the Central Service Committee of Victoria, and best wishes to all conventioneers to the 22nd Convention, AA Australia, Congratulations, Armadale and Area A Eastern Region. Kevin C, Victorian Central Office. Congratulations to Convention and best wishes from Rockhampton, from Grace, ex Central Service Office Secretary. The Chairman and members of AA Planning Committee. Uh, our very best wishes for a joyful and successful 22nd National Convention as the Elanon Family Group of Australia. Congratulations, may it be the best convention ever, Alateens of Australia.
heartiest congratulations on this milestone achieved in Alcoholics Anonymous. My thoughts are with you on this grand occasion. It's from Loris of Gunnedah. Thank you. Thank you again, Betty. Armadale, the Cathedral City of Education and the Arts, and this magnificent University of New England are indeed a wonderful venue for this convention. To welcome us to the city of Armadale, we will now hear from the Mayor of Armadale, Alderman Claude Canera. Ladies and gentlemen, Your Excellencies, distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen, and in particular visitors from overseas. My name is Claude. I'm not an alcoholic. But I almost wish I were, <laughs> because I'm having difficulty describing <clears throat> the feeling that's here tonight. I can feel it, I can sense it, I can almost touch it, but I can't describe it. And for that, I'm sincerely grateful for the opportunity to experience it. The kind of serenity that is here before me tonight is truly unique and something that perhaps you're all very familiar with because you are members of a very large family which pulls together and is aware of what I'm talking about even though I can't say what I'm saying. <laughs> When I first heard of this convention in Armadale, I thought, well, that sounds good. It's good business for the city to have visitors here. <laughs> well, let's think of that dollar. And I thought, golly, I've heard of AA, but what are we going to do for them? And I really was quite perplexed at how to tackle the problem because you're very good at maintaining your anonymity. And indeed, those of us that are not members of that enlarged family that I referred to earlier really don't know that much about you. We know you do some excellent work. We have friends that have made the road back to where they ought to have been from where they were. <laughs> and can only assess what you're all about by those distant glimpses. So I was really at a loss to know what to expect and indeed how to cope with it. And in due course, I met some of your organisers, some of your committee members, some wonderful people that immediately made me feel closer to that family and encouraged me to seek the assistance of my council and my loyal staff 
to do what we could to make you welcome to this city. And I'm quite sure that there are many, many things we'll have forgotten, many things we've overlooked, but I can also assure you that we have tried our best and we'll be trying our best for the next four days. The city is yours for the next four days. I will be attending as many of your functions as I can possibly get around to. You'll, become, you'll come to know some of my staff members who are giving a lot of their time towards ensuring the success of your conference. And I ask you and plead with you that if there is anything you need, please ask us for it and we'll do our best to provide it. So, So it's with the total sincerity that I afford you a very cordial welcome to our city, wish your conference every success that I know it will achieve, and hope that we'll see you back in Armadale at the very next opportunity that you have. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. You know, I can uh, endorse what uh, I think... Uh, Claude doesn't mind me calling him Claude, uh, has said, because I travelled up here one day and some of us invited the Mayor to lunch. And we all went to lunch and the Mayor paid. <laughs> so we owe him one. As most of you out there know, Chapter 5 in the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, is entitled, How It Works. It is a usual practice at AA meetings to read portion of this chapter. Tonight, I will ask Nola, a member of my home group, to perform this task. Nala? Your Excellencies, <clears throat> distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen, members of Alcoholics Anonymous. My name is Nola and I am an alcoholic. I am a member of the King's Cross Group in Sydney, which meets on Sundays at St. Vincent's Hospital. Chapter 5 of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, entitled, How It Works. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. Usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such unfortunates. They are not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those, too, who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. 
Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. If you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. At some of these we balked. We thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. Remember that we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful. Without help, it is too much for us. But there is one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. Half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. Here are the steps we took, which we suggested as a, power, as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and a fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Many of us explained, what an order, I can't go through with it. Do not be discouraged. No one amongst us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We are not saints. The point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we have set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Our description of the alcoholic the chapter to the agnostic and our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. B, that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. C, that God could and would if he were sought. Thank you. Thank you, Nala. You know, in AA, we sometimes use names that are descriptive identities of the member concerned. With us tonight 
is border town Eric from South Australia, who has, in his vocation, travelled widely throughout Australia, sharing the message of recovery in AA. I will now ask him to tell us something of his personal story. Eric, Your Excellencies, the Right Honourable in Sinclair and His Worship, Claude. <laughs> I'm Eric and I'm an alcoholic. And I'm delighted to be here, standing here sober tonight. My name, my AA name is Border Town Eric. 17 years ago I was poured into AA, literally poured in. And I was living in the country town of Bordertown, South Australia, and I was taken to Adelaide to my first meeting. Many things have happened since that day, but strangely I had no idea why I was going. And I say many things have happened because in that 17 years I've had a bust, and that bust to me is very important. I can look back now with gratitude. But uh, we have His Excellency here. Perhaps he'd be interested in knowing that the last time I uh, joined in a civic reception was when we had royalty. Princess Anne and her husband came to Alice Springs and uh, the Mayor, of course, put on the very sumptuous reception that uh, the Mayor frequently does, particularly in Central Australia. And, of course, dress was formal. Well, formal, formal for the Northern Territory is a little bit better than shorts. <laughs> so I went through my wardrobe and found out what would be formal. I duly put it on, but then, of course, I knew that the civic reception, there were going to be plenty to drink, but, of course, being an alcoholic, I had to prepare myself. I duly did. And while I was going along in the car, I thought, I'll just have one more can. And I did, but it was a little bit too much for the stomach. So, being quite used to this, I wound my window and let go. I wound the window up. <laughs> for some reason or other, I was taken off the invitation list for civic receptions. <laughs> Another thing too, his worship will appreciate this, I was the city engineer for Alice Springs and for some reason or other the mayor found it necessary to put a lock on his fridge. <laughs> I don't know why. It's a good thing the, uh, the Minister for Police and the Minister for Judiciary Affairs isn't there. Uh, but I am an alcoholic and I had no idea what I was getting into. I drank fairly early. At 16, I think, I, I started to drink properly. I'd had a couple of drinks before that. But I found immediately, although I, my body re rebelled against alcohol right from the start, and I do remember this, that we used to get our pay on a Friday. I was, I was in a, a survey camp, used to get our pay on a Friday, and we'd go, decide to go to the dance. We'd have a few drinks and off to the dance and have a lot more to drink then. 
and uh, I got sick. Well, it was obviously the food. So I gave up the food. <laughs> I still got sick, but it didn't hurt near as much. But I finally got used to, to drink, and I very much got used to what it did for me. I had no idea until I came to AA that I drank for effect. I drank to overcome problems that I had long, long before I ever picked up a drink. But I didn't find these out until I was in AA for quite a while. I drank away a family. So what? Practically every alcoholic in this room has drunk away a family. But I went and drank two away. I got sober in AA 17 years ago despite myself. And because I was this wonder kid that used to come down 185 miles from Bordertown to Adelaide every weekend, I was held up and put on a pedestal. At first, I might add, that uh, I was taken to the first meeting and then the, my wife and the, the other family in Bordertown that were trying to help me, for goodness only knows what reason, uh, they said, would you care to go back next week? And my immediate reaction was, no way. But then quickly, the alcoholic mind, of course I will. Too right, yes, I'll go back, it'll be good stuff. I knew exactly how many pubs there were between Bordertown and Adelaide, and I knew that I was a bona fide traveller coming back. So I went to AA, but it took four weeks to realise, to get it through my thick skull, that I had a problem. There's no time to tell you how that occurred, but I suddenly came to a realisation that, my God, I'm an alcoholic. I can't stop drinking. And that's when I became afraid. At that point, a miracle occurred. Because I left the AA meeting on this fourth or fifth week and I proceeded to come home knowing that the moment I hit tail and bend, 60-odd miles out of Adelaide, I was a bona fide traveller. The pub was shut. Both pubs were shut. I went on to Canalpin and the next town and the next town, all the way home, and every pub that Saturday night was shut. It was a dreadful feeling. (laughs) I got to border town, both pubs were shut, and that's just unreal. There's always one of those pubs open at 2 o'clock on Sunday morning, but they were shut. I went through, I I persevered through the night, sweating, I can remember that night, knowing that I'd be up at my mate's caravan first thing Sunday morning. First thing Sunday morning came and my mate wasn't there. And I went round from place to place and either my friends weren't home or they didn't have any grog or said they didn't have any. And I managed to get 24 hours of sobriety and when I got 24 hours of sobriety I wanted to race back to Adelaide and tell everybody I've had a day sober. I'd spent that whole time trying to get a drink. (laughs) That was good. But I went on for five years in AA and I stayed sober. But being an educated man, yes I know what the inside of a university looks like We used to throw our darts into the ceiling of the old Wilson Hall in Melbourne. But uh, they burnt that down. uh, I just couldn't accept AA. I liked it, but couldn't accept quite a lot of it. For For instance, I would not accept the spiritual concept of AA. 
So I cast it out. Well, you've just heard the 12 steps. Take the spiritual concept out of AA and you haven't got much left. And that's exactly what I had. And it was during that sobriety that I lost my first wife and family. I ran my life the way I wanted to run it, not the way AA suggested it. The inevitable happened. I picked up a drink. I planned that drink. I knew exactly what was going to happen. I would drink and then when things happened that I wanted to happen, then I'd stop drinking. Everything would be alright. It's only one thing I forgot and I completely forgot it. That once I started to drink, I would never stop. And that's exactly what happened. Well, I lost my first wife and family, wife and five children. I married again and I lost my second wife and two more children. By the way, you lose your dignity. It doesn't matter who you are. I've, I've identified myself as a, a city engineer. You'll get all walks of life in AA. I say that for our, our guests that may be sitting in on their first AA meeting. We come from every walk of life. I'll guarantee you can do everything here from, from picking pockets to, to designing buildings like this, anything at all. And... Uh, I found that the whole principles of AA meant that I had to hand over and that was what I couldn't do. I could not give over my will and my life to something that I didn't, didn't even understand. I'd had a church upbringing but it was a church understanding or a Christianity that thou shalt not, thou shalt not and I was afraid to do anything. It was a a God of fear, a God that I couldn't accept and when I drank, all hell didn't come down on my shoulders and when I did everything else that I did in drink, hell didn't come down on my shoulders, not for a while anyway. I didn't realise in this second lot of drinking that my health was failing. I went to hospital, yes, I had many trips to doctors, went to hospital, I was treated for everything that you can imagine. I lied. I never told the truth about my drinking. One guy said, one doctor said, and how much do you drink, Eric? He'd already tried to hypnotise me. That, that had failed. I said, I'd have a couple. He said, a couple of glasses a day. I said, yeah. They were. They were that round, that long with a cork in them. And I was drinking two flagons a day at the time, but I wanted to be honest. So I told him I drank two glasses a day and if you dropped them, they broke. So... Uh, one doctor whipped my appendix out and I'll guarantee to this day there was nothing the matter with my appendix. <laughs> I had an upset stomach, sure. But ultimately this did catch up with me. I spent, spent time in Alice Springs Hospital where my friends, if you'd like to call them friends, they brought grog into me and during the last four years of those drinking at least I never ever went to bed without ironing myself right out. I drank to oblivion every night for four years even in hospital, because my friend brought it in. The ultimate did come. The, they gave me a very few days to live. And this is where the turning point came, because remember, the first time I didn't stop drinking, drinking was, drink was taken from me. This second time I knew I was dying and I wanted to prepare myself for this. Firstly, I had to go to Melbourne 
So I rang my first wife from Alice Springs and said, look, I'm going through Adelaide on the way to Melbourne and I would like to see my children. I knew I was dying and I wanted to say goodbye to them. Now, I hadn't seen them for quite a long time. Anyway, I got to Adelaide and there's a three-quarter hour or hour changeover. No kids, but there's my first wife. And she swears black and blue to this day that I rang her and asked her to see her. Well, she wasn't the alcoholic, so who do you believe? What's more, she's sitting here tonight. So, that uh, while we're in Adelaide, and it, it is important that I tell you this little bit because it, it's relative to my story. Just before I caught that plane, this lady who had once been my wife gave me a little book. And I thought, oh my God. I'll guarantee in the first three pages it either, either has alcoholic or God. So I said goodbye and got on the plane and as soon as we were up, I ordered my usual couple of little bottle of scotch and a can of beer to go with it. And then when I was starting to drink this, I took the, ba- the, the little paper bag and opened the book. There it was. Joe is an alcoholic. <laughs> third, I think it's the fifth word actually. And the third line is God. So I shoved that book back in the bag, put it on the empty seat beside me and I proceeded to Melbourne. But I took that book with me and that night I started reading it. It was Power in Praise by Merlin Carruthers. And the you might say, what's this got to do with AA? It's my life because it brought me back to AA. I learned by reading the first 19 pages of that book that just as I was, I could come before this God that I feared. And remember, I was dying. I wanted to put myself right before God before I died. So I, I did pray that night, and I prayed nearly all night. But I, at no stage, prayed for life. I only prayed for forgiveness, and during that night, I thought of every rotten, stinking thing I'd done. And each time I thought of it, I got out of that bed and onto my knees and asked for forgiveness. And that night, a miracle did occur again. Not only did I stop drinking, but there was a miraculous change in my health. Next morning, I got up out of that bed. I had about two hours sleep. I got up about seven o'clock and I wanted to go to the toilet. But the normal thing for me to do was to grab a bottle on the way. And when I got there, I was to vomit anyway. This time, there was no thought of a bottle and there was no vomiting, there was no blood. There was a miraculous change. I had that night done step three, handed my will and my life to the care of God as I understood him. And I actually laughed while I did it. I said, and you've got three days, what the hell are you going to do with it? (laughs) He's still laughing, I'm still here. (laughs) From that point... It was a a total turnaround in my life. I went back to Alice Springs. My second wife had gone. I started communicating with my first wife. We're remarried. She's here with me. It's beautiful. Reunited the first family. You know, we were incompatible before. We both have a God of our understanding that we share. We're united that we were never united like this when we, when we were married first. 
We have something we never ever had before. I'm getting some trust back from some of the children. And remember, some of those are 28, 27, 26 and 20 something or other. (laughs) They were fairly close together when we had them anyway. And I'm getting this respect back. I left local government when I was accepted as an officer in the Salvation Army. Now my background, that's unreal. This is some of the rewards. my, My entire life has changed. I was afraid. I found out in AA that I lived in fear. I worried. I always used to say if, if I had nothing to worry about, I'd worry because I had nothing to worry about. Fear, unnatural fear, has gone. Insecurity. I can look back now in my life and see that right from a little child, when I spent the first four or five years of my life in hospital, of course I had no security of a family. What can I do about it now? I can look at the serenity prayer and say, well, look, you help me. So I'm relying on God as I understand him in this AA program for the very things that I couldn't change. And I find now that I need the entire 12 steps of AA. It's a complete program, a program that I find now that having handed over, I can hand over to absolutely. Sure, I've got rewards. Look, we came across all the way from Adelaide in a truck, drove across the, what do you call it, the barrier highway through Broken Hill, and not once did we have an argument. (laughs) Now that's unreal. We got tired and didn't get at each other's throats. There's bonuses. Yes, I got here. I didn't need a, a hard starter. I didn't need a charge to stand up here. I can live a life now that I never ever lived before I started drinking. I'm forever grateful that AA was there when I needed it. It was there when I was ready to accept it. It came into existence, but it was you people. Just you people. And some of the very people are sitting in this room tonight that were there to pick me up when I needed picking up. Just very briefly, there's one person in the room that's remember seeing me in various places. Yes, I do get around, or I have before. I was brought to town Eric from Alice Springs and he met me in Darwin. But he very shortly later met me in Cairns and then in Hobart after having previously met me in Adelaide. Uh, But I do attend AA when I go to these places. I need AA, yes. It's a way of life. And if I haven't got this way of life, remember I've only got one other way. I tried it once by having a bust. If I let slip this life that I have, there is only one other life. And that is total destruction for me. It's beautiful. And I pray that each and every one of us here will share the joy of sobriety with others in this lovely city. It is a beautiful city. Something to be proud of. A lovely setting. And we've got a a wonderful time ahead of us. Let's all enjoy it. Thank you.
you, Eric. As you all know, with us here tonight is a most distinguished person who has had, and I am sure will continue to have, a most distinguished career. It is my great honour to introduce to you, to open this convention, Sir Silman Cohen, Governor-General of Australia. Chairman, Mr Sinclair, Mr McCarthy, Your Worship the Mayor, distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen, may I say for my wife and for myself how very pleased we are to be here tonight. I want to say that we're very pleased for two reasons. One, because it brings us back here to Armadale. And I said back here to Armadale. This is a city and this is a university in which we live very happily for three years from 1967 until 1970. And we and our family greatly enjoyed our days in this university. When we were here, this fine hall was not here. But the university provided a home for many, many diverse meetings. And it's a very good thing to come here on this occasion to this very large and very remarkable meeting and to know that the University of New England, which is very much part of my life, has provided a very happy venue for it. Now, the other reason why we're pleased to be here is because we've come to this convention and I've got the task of opening it. In this office, I, indeed my wife and I, have travelled over the length and the breadth of this country. I think that we've had a, a well-nigh unique opportunity to see it all or nearly all because obviously it is so large and so complex that no man were he to be in this office for a dozen years could hope to see it all. But we've had an opportunity to see so many manifestations of its life. We've had an opportunity to see people in so many activities, in so many of their concerns. I suppose one of the important things is that we've had an opportunity to see many Australians who might be described as invisible Australians. Old people who've moved out of the general working community. People with a variety of disabilities 
And we've seen also people who worked with them and for them and sought to help with no motivation other than the wish to help, other than the wish to be good citizens. And I suppose that that's the thing that we shall take away from this office with us. A very great pride in many very good aspects of the life of this country. Now, let me turn specifically to AA, and I fear that what I've got to say tonight will be well known to many of you. But maybe I'll be able to put it together a bit, and maybe that in itself will be of interest to you. I've long been aware of the existence of AA, though I have really not known about it in any detail. But for a long time, I've been interested in public and community health, and particularly concerned with the notion of an individual's responsibility for his own health. And one of my very well-thumbed books is a study of public health as it happens in the United States, which was published a few years ago. And it has a rather strange title. Its title is Doing Better and Feeling Worse, Health in the United States. And it was published in the late 1970s. Now, the editor was a well-known American, Dr. J.H. Knowles, who since died, and he was president of one of the great American foundations. And he contributed, as well as discharging the responsibilities of editing, he contributed an important chapter which he entitled The Responsibility of the Individual. And he said this, and please listen. Over 99% of us, he wrote, are born healthy and are made sick as a result of personal misbehaviour and environmental conditions. The solution, he said, to the problems of ill health in modern society involves individual responsibility in the first instance and social responsibility through public legislation and private voluntary efforts in the second instance. And he went on to say this, I believe that the idea of a right to health should be replaced by the idea of an individual moral obligation to preserve one's own health, a public duty if you will. The individual then has the right to expect help with information, accessible services of good quality, and minimal financial barriers. Now, right through Dr. Knowles' argument runs concern with the problems associated with alcoholism. The individual, he says, has the power, indeed the moral responsibility, to maintain his own health by the observance of simple, prudent rules relating, among other things, to the use of alcohol. Now, may I say that as I read that, and I've read that chapter again and again, I find the argument very powerful. 
But I say all this now to lead up to the point that AA is centrally concerned with the problem that he talked about, the problem of alcohol, in the context of alcoholism. Now, you know the history, how nearly 50 years ago in 1935, Bill W., who was a New York stockbroker, regarded six months earlier as a hopeless alcoholic, met Dr. Bob S., an Ohio physician, also considered a hopeless case, and they set about mutual help. And the outcome of that meeting was very significant. It laid the ground for the establishment of what we're talking about tonight, AA. An alcoholic helping another remains the basic foundation of the fellowship. It's caught on in Australia. After early activity in the 40s, Alcoholics Anonymous began functioning in the mid-1940s in Sydney on an established group basis. And this made Australia the first country, the first country outside North America, to accept AA as a means of recovery from alcoholism and its destructive impact. It spread to other states in the Northern Territory, as we've seen quite graphically with the flags tonight. And the first of these national conventions was held in 1959. And this, as you know, had positive results in agreement to the establishment of a federal AA body, the Australian Service Conference. And the second conference was held in 1961. And the first Australian Service Conference explored the possibilities of establishing an Australian publishing body and magazine and also defined AA's purpose as a joining together, and let me quote the words, for unity in service to alcoholics who seek recovery. Alcoholics Anonymous, it said, is more than a set of principles. It's a society of recovered alcoholics in action. AA's 12th step, carrying the message, is the basic service that our fellowship gives. The Australian Service Conference exists to further our collective 12th step work at the national level. The Australian Service Conference has taken part in successive world service meetings held since 1969. And in Australia, a general service board has been established and incorporated by 12 trustees some of whom I've met tonight, and four of whom are non-alcoholic. It carries on the work of the Australian General Service Conference between conferences. And it's said that the board reflects the voice of the group conscience of AA in Australia. Well, and what is the group conscience? Now, I know that there is controversy in medical circles in some medical circles, and I don't propose to enter into an area about which I don't know much. And I don't, moreover, want to repeat at length what you know. But you will forgive me, I hope, if I state as briefly as I can some of the principles which govern AA. 
it isn't a bad thing for one from outside like me to state. It starts with viewing alcoholism as a disease. It doesn't seek to blame sufferers from this as other diseases. It says that so far as recovery is concerned, the question is not why it began, but rather the stress is on stopping the disease, on stopping drinking. It finds that there are all sorts of alcoholics in terms of their drinking patterns, that experience shows that it's the first drink taken by an alcoholic that does the damage. AA expresses it in these terms that for an alcoholic one drink is too many and a hundred is not enough. So the alcoholic must stay away from the first drink. Yet it seems that the alcoholic with rare exceptions cannot recover alone. At every AA meeting, the alcoholic can see living evidence, living testimony, that the AA recovery program works. At the meetings, he or she, the alcoholic, sees that other alcoholics of widely different backgrounds and drinking patterns, as you pointed out, can get well. Very few AA believes have passed beyond the hope of recovery in AA provided that they want to stop drinking, so that the only requirement for AA membership is a desire to do just that, to stop drinking. There are no fees, no requirement of any pledge of any kind, and experience shows that whatever the surface differences, the classic characteristic of the alcoholic who comes to AA is a deeply felt sense of inadequacy and lack of personal worth. It's realised that for most alcoholics, the thought of life without alcohol is terrifying. And during the early period of adjustment to a life without alcohol, the friendship and the support of others in the fellowship is quite critical. AA doesn't tell the alcoholic to use his willpower. It starts with the suggestion that the alcoholic must come to the point of admitting that he's beaten. The shared experience with sober members strongly suggests that it's only by surrendering that the alcoholic is freed from the compulsion to drink. This, it's believed, makes it possible to unlock new forces which will yield hope, and we've heard something about that tonight. It brings about a great change and a turning away from alcohol. Now, a recent writer who I've read says this, and let me quote, The remarkable fact is that hundreds of thousands of alcoholic people have done just that. That is, if they're able to accept defeat and continue to surrender. In AA, hope paradoxically springs from an alcoholic's acceptance of the utter hopelessness of his or her condition. And so it's come about, says this writer, that AA's program of recovery has helped over a million men and women in more than 30,000 groups throughout the world to lead healthy and productive lives 
without the need to use alcohol or other mind-changing drugs. And so, he concludes, in the healthcare field, AA's success is amazing by any standard. Now, let me say once again what I've said before. I speak from no personal experience, and I simply recount to you what I've read. I find it very encouraging, and I am very well aware of the importance of the undertaking. May I say for my wife and for myself that we're pleased to be here with you, and so I declare this 22nd National Convention of AA Australia open, and I wish you a very happy meeting. Thank you. I now have great pleasure in asking Mr Jim Lewis, Chairman of the General Service Board of Alcoholics Anonymous Australia and one of the non-alcoholic trustees of that board, to come forward and make a presentation to their excellencies. Excellencies, uh, the Right Honourable Ian Sinclair, Alderman Canero, distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, just before making this presentation to His Excellency, uh, I think that it's worthwhile commenting on the uniqueness of this convention in a couple of ways. First of all, it's the first Australian AA convention to be held outside a state capital, or I think it is, uh, which in itself was a most courageous decision by the organisers. But in addition, it's the first Australian AA convention, in fact the first AA meeting in Australia, to have present our country's vice-regal representatives. Um, it's therefore with, with some pride that I, on your behalf, pass this vote of appreciation to their excellencies for giving so freely of their valuable time, and it is valuable from what they've told me tonight. They have very little time to themselves and they're looking forward to a few days in Queensland on their own. But uh, they've given of their time so freely and also to His Excellency for so kindly and graciously opening the convention. I would like to comment on two things that His Excellency said. First of all, that AA has helped over a million men and women in more than 30,000 groups throughout the world. Over a period of almost 50 years, I would not be surprised if this figure were, were not higher, but in Australia, we have about 700 groups and currently some 7,000 members. We think we have 7,000 members. <laughs> Anonymity has its drawbacks. Um, but at present we're attempting to confirm the membership number in a rough form by, with a random survey of groups as there's no other way of doing it. But the second point that His Excellency made uh, 
was his brief comment on the community responsibility to maintain our own health in the context of a massive national health bill. I believe that AA does pretty well in this regard. If we take our our tradition where it says we can't accept money from outside the organisation, so therefore we're self-funding. If we apply our membership numbers of 7,000 by a minimum of one hour a week of counselling at an average cost of, say, $10 an hour, which is pretty cheap in medical circles, um, (laughs) the, the AA contribution to our national health bill is measured in millions of dollars, and I think this is something to be very proud of. But this, of course, is secondary to our primary objective of helping the individual alcoholic anywhere and at any time. Your Excellency, as a token of our appreciation tonight, we would like you to accept these two leather-bound volumes, which I better face that one, uh, which tell the story of AA, and we do hope that you'll find a place for them in your library, and they are factual and they're very interesting readers. So thank you very much. I believe Beverly has uh, a small gift uh, flowers for Her Excellency. Somewhere. Good. Ladies and gentlemen, in conclusion, there is one small thing, uh, or small item that we Uh, wish to give their excellencies and that is that all people coming to this convention at the University of Armidale will be conferred with a special once only degree uh, from from the school of hard knocks and and, and we'd like to And while I'm on my feet, I, uh, I have to give Alderman Canero one also. Ladies and gentlemen, we thank all these people once again for helping us with this convention. Thank you, Jim. Once, a holy man asked the Lord if he could see what heaven and hell are like. The Lord led him to two doors. He opened the first door and the holy man looked in. There was a very large round table. On the table was a pot of stew. But in the midst of this plenty, the people sitting around the table were thin and sickly. He saw that the spoons that they had had very long handles, longer than a person's arm. So it was impossible to get the food back to one's mouth. The Lord said, You have seen hell. 
In the next room were the same round table, the same pot of stew, the people held the same long-handled spoons, but were well nourished. They were laughing and talking. I don't understand, said the holy man. It is very simple, said the Lord. It requires but one skill. You see, they have learned to feed each other. Let us then feed each other, share our strength, hope and experiences so so that those yet to come will see when they open the door a room full of healthy, animated people who have found the joy of living. As is usual in AA in this country, this meeting will be concluded with a recital of the Serenity Prayer. When we have done this, would you all please remain standing where you are whilst their excellencies proceed to the entrance foyer. In the entrance foyer, they will be pleased to spend some time meeting with you conventioneers. I now draw this meeting to a close. So would everyone now please stand and join me in the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Just keep standing where you are.